Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. Our uh, special, pre- I don't even think it's that special, President's Day episode. It doesn't come out on President's Day, but we're recording it on President's Day. So, happy birthday to, whose birth? is it George Washington's birthday? Is that what President's Day is? Do we know? Do I need to Google this? I, I, yeah, I, I'm a legal I think it's like Tactics when the president us. sees their shadow. Oh, right. Then there's six more weeks of winter. I'm I'm tactic. No, I'm not tactic. Oh God, should I be tactic this episode? I'm tactic. Guess what? I'm a legal eighty six. I'm a legal eighty six. I'm here with tactic and my good friend Nerd Bomber, and we're here to talk through all things nerd pop culture that's happened to us and to all of us in the past week. And uh, yeah, I, I get shout out to the presidents. I don't. I didn't have work off today, so it to me here's the, the, the stage I'm at in my life. If I don't have work off for it, it's not a holiday. Same. So, happy birthday to the presidents, I guess. I had work off, so holiday to me. I was so productive. I worked out today. I slept in. I watched hockey. I played video games. I read a book. It was great. Actually, yeah, it is a holiday. Came home to a happy wife. You know what they say. Happy wife, happy life. Am I right? Yeah, buddy. They do say that. That's I love that. all of that for you. I do feel like days when I work out tend to be good days. And uh, I didn't work out today. <laughs> so... No, today's a fine day, though. If only because I'm here podcasting with you guys. You know, that always brightens my day up. We're going to talk about the Fantastic Four casting news today, because that was like one of the bigger things that swept across the internet and garnered a lot of strong opinions in the past week. We also need to talk about the Mandalorian yet again. I guess in that sense, it's a big Pedro Pascal day. Spoiler alert. Uh, we'll get to the Mandalorian in a bit here. And then we got to talk about X-Men 97. And there's a fun fact is that in 97, assuming they mean 1997, I was I was five, so I don't really remember it too well. But maybe this show will help me. I don't know. We we can only hope. But let's 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 talk. Let's just dive right into the Fantastic Four. Fantastic. So I guess I think to set the stage for this, we need to talk about the previous Fantastic Four movies and what our relationship to them is. Because I'm kind of seeing, and maybe you guys are seeing this too on on the internet that we that we inhabit, that people are kind of start. They're putting on rose colored glasses. And looking at the old ones in a way that I don't think people did for like 20 years. And like, now that there's a new one coming out, they're like, oh no, this other one with Chris Evans and Jessica Alba and two other dudes, like, was actually amazing. And I'm like, I'm kind of like, no, it's not. And it wasn't. And it never was. But like, I don't, did you guys like those movies? Did you even, I didn't even see the second one. Not the first one. I actually did like those original Fantastic Fours. I didn't like the intermediate one that came out between so there were three sets of fan of there's fantastic 12 at this point i liked the first set right didn't like the second set and i'm middle of the road on the third set the first set felt campy like superhero movies of that time were like if you go back to the og spider-man movies with toby like there was a level of camp associated with those type of movies and That entire initial, I don't want to say initial because there were always superhero movies, but like that 90s and early aughts era of superhero movies were just campy and silly and good times. And so I look back on them fondly because that was when superhero movies felt simpler in my head. And they They were. were. They were just fun. Like you didn't take them as seriously. Like every movie is an art form, but we didn't look at them as this like intense, connected art form crazy storytelling character development like they were just there it was like the equivalent of a action movie that you didn't care about you just went to see things go boom and so they were fun and chris evans was hot 
And they yes. did. And it was before Chris he, Evans he, played he, a cocky Captain America. I did not like Chris Evans like, as Johnny Storm, though. I thought he was fine. Oh, come on. I thought he was great. He was great. He, he And also, he was hot, literally, because yes. he was on fire. Absolutely. So, th- wait, there's three. And then, so well, I, then there's that, Miles that Teller the... and there are other people in this cast. Yeah. So, I would, if I, if uh, I, Michael if B. I, Jordan. May, I would basically sure. smush the first two and the last two. I think Eon Grufford, I think it's, it's Eon Grufford, if, if I remember. Yes. I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's close enough. Mr. Fantastic. Ian he was something. the perfect yeah. Mr. Fantastic, period. Same with Michael Checklist was the perfect thing, period. I would keep those two and then move them with this new Fantastic Four. I kind of like, so spoilers, let's get into who the new cast is. But basically, I just don't really care for Pedro Pascal as Mr. Fantastic. Do not. I'm okay okay, with with everyone else. Well, I'm not okay with everyone else. For Sue Storm, I actually liked every single casting of her throughout the way. I think each and every one brought something unique to the character. It's just the thing... And Mr. Fantastic were great originally, and then Johnny Storm had something missing through the years, and I... I disagree. I think think Jessica Alba and Chris Evans were inspired casting for the times. For the time, they were were great. First of all, Jessica Alba at the time, that was like when she was at her most famous... Mm -hmm. Is I I think, I, like I, okay. So first, let me clarify something. There were there were two movies with Chris Evans and, and Jessica Alba and, and Michael Chiklis and Ian's whatever. Then there was just one with Miles Teller, right? And it like did bomb. Yeah, it was terrible. Which okay, so that one I feel like we should give that. I didn't see. You it. didn't see it. It wasn't great, no. but I think people expected too much of it because then that one came out at the time when like the MCU was interconnected and like considered the height of art and filmmaking. And so I think if that movie had come out at a different time and had different standards by which it was judged, it would have been fine. Like it wasn't the worst thing in the world that I had ever watched. It just wasn't MCU caliber. And I think that killed it. I literally don't remember who the thing even was in that in that one. It was the like, guy from Breaking Bad. Aaron Paul? No, the cop brother-in-law. Oh. What, Hank? It was? Yeah. Oh, I didn't remember that at all. So, but that's like, okay, here's my thing with, we, and yeah, we can get into the new castings. Like, my thing with Mr. Fantastic is that, to me, because of the time that the, that the original, I shouldn't say the original, but like when the early 2000s or whenever it was movie came out, that was my first exposure to the character of Mr. Fantastic. So to me now... When I think of Mr. Fantastic, no, I do not think of John Krasinski. Sorry, John. I think of that guy. He was good. Whose name I cannot pronounce. He had that like touch and of I, gray I, yeah. where he looks old enough to know what he's doing, but young enough to still be able to. Yeah, I think the touch of gray was very important. And that was something that like Miles Teller lacked because he had that sense of like he was smart and established and like... He was a kid. Yeah, he was like he an annoying faced. college student. Yeah, like, Miles Teller smart. didn't have that same gravitas. And it was just like, well, what are we yeah. doing here? And, you know, what I've since learned about the character of Mr. Fantastic, I feel like aligns directly. Like, I feel like that. And it's that's another interesting thing, too. Like, let's not gloss over the fact that, like, Ian Griffith, or however you pronounce his name, like, he, that was a big role. And he, as the kids say, ate with that role. And then he kind of just disappeared, like, he just, like, vanished from the scene of Hollywood forever, which, like, doesn't often happen, but, like, I think he did a great job. Now, fast-forwarding, skipping past Miles Teller entirely, and fast-forwarding to now and Pedro Pascal, like, my thing with Pedro Pascal is that, okay, my touch points with him in recent memory are the Nick Cage movie, where he was hilarious, then there's 
obviously the mandalorian where he was very good and then there was the last of us where he was like life-changingly good he like i okay people are complaining about him a lot as mr fantastic his head's too round i get that's, that's i get the it thing for me his head i don't know that I, I i would generally i would go further than that and say generally he doesn't he doesn't look superhero e but there are two things about that like one i think that would be a good thing for us to start getting on board with is that like not everyone has to like dehydrate themselves and like look unhuman to be a superhero like what's his name kamil nanjiani is like in the news right now because he's talking about how getting beef caked up for the eternals like basically ruined his life and like that sucks and i think pedro pascal can look the way that he looks which by the way like he's a good looking dude and be an effective superhero the other thing is that but I again have no reason going back to the first to trust him fantastic four they were not like I, johnny storm was but like reed richards was not yeah, they were, ungodly ripped i think he wasn't it's a up. sign of the times too so like we rewatched no strings attached which is better than friends with benefits it's one of those like 2000s rom-coms and one of the things that struck me about it and maybe because we were also like i had just read through the casting in anticipation of this conversation ashton kutcher and leading men of the rom-com era they were not necessarily chiseled like there were scenes where he just kind of had like he yeah. was fit but like he was also kind of flabby he he was just a normal dude and Something became unrealistic yeah. at some point, and it, it it was after yeah, it was after Ashton Kutcher in that movie. It was certainly after the Fantastic Four movies, and like the the other thing about Pedro Pascal is like considering his recent body of work, and I'm sure Hollywood feels the same way. Like I have no reason not to trust him. Like I think he's a very good actor, and if I trust him in the sense that if he took the role, first of all, I'm sure there are producers and directors who think he can do it, but also I think he thinks he can do it, and like that's kind of enough for me like i can understand people are more excited about other people are really excited about vanessa kirby i understand that i think she's great people are really excited about the guy who's playing the thing unfortunately i can't think of his name because i haven't watched the bear yet uh ebon moss backrack or i don't know how you pronounce that people are really excited about him people are mad about joseph quinn and i think we need to talk about that a little bit because like i'm certainly not mad about it i get again like he's more of an unproven quantity to me I guess I understand why people are mad about it, but also, like, don't be mad about it. Why are you mad? Like, I, maybe we should start there. But, like, how are you guys feeling about that? Like, I, I think most people's only touch point with him is Stranger Things Season 4, in which he was kind of nothing but good. So, like, what more do you want him to be? Or, I guess, who do you want instead of him? Maybe it's a better question. You know my answer. I don't know if you guys have go back, Go back to... The, just get the original Mr. Fantastic on the phone. Which, that said... They have yet to announce who Victor Von Doom is, or even if he's going to be in the movie. He might be at the end. That We know that the main villain is going to be Galactus, I believe. I think that's right. Kind of a callback to the original Fantastic Four when the Silver Surfer dropped on the scene, um, and they made Galactus like a weird planet-eating planet. Right, because Silver Surfer is like Galactus's... Herald. Like, henchman. Yeah. But I did also really like Julian McMahone. Again, I'm butchering these names because, like, I have grew up knowing him as a bad guy. I I will say my sister loved Charmed, and I was just a young lass that would watch Charmed with her, and he was an awesome you bad guy. You were a young guy. lass? 
lad. I was a he was yeah. I was a young lad that just watched Charmed with her, and it was he was an awesome villain. And 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 what was really good in that portrayal of of his villain in that show was he was good at walking the line between a bad guy, but like a bad guy with with a human soft squishy part. And we all know that Doom eventually just like basically can take over the universe he's so ungodly powerful and he doesn't always show that soft squishy spot and he's borderline like sociopathic what am i saying borderline he is but like it's nice to see that human side well julian i think it's julian mcmahon and like he's another one because i just had to google him because i wasn't sure i had to remember him and like if you look at his filmography he's another one who was like i'm gonna be in these fantastic four movies and then i'm just gonna do television for the rest of my career and like i don't know respect but like it's just it's i think i don't know i think that might be like the fantastic four the 2005 movie more in the sense that they were just like it's just people coming together to make this movie and then like go do their own thing whatever it was going to be and like they were never it wasn't this thing you know kind of like this set of castings is it's like okay these are people that are up and coming and like they're probably hollywood's new thing for a while and you know here's the thing where they're all together doing a thing like it it wasn't like that it was there's so much you know and this is what you were getting at before nerd bomber is like there wasn't any there wasn't as much import put on any one movie right like when the first fantastic four was made it was like oh let's make a you know comic book movie that like is just kind of fun and then like if it works out maybe we'll make a second one who the heck knows and you know they did wind up making a second one but it was like when you watched it that came across right it was just like okay we're here for this this one experience and we're not going to attach you to anything we're not going to attach all these actors to anything this is of course not that this is like okay we got to make this and it's got to work and like everything now look at what's going on with madam web right now it's like that was supposed to start like kickstart a franchise i think and it's turning out to be a total disaster and it's probably like changing everything at sony and like how they're going to live their lives for the next two years i mean we've i've railed constantly on this show about how the mcu is should probably be over and like cinematic universes should probably kind of be over and like disney is just like nah man they're gonna keep going forever and here's a fantastic four movie and hopefully we'll make five more fantastic four movies and there's nothing about this casting that says they're going in any direction but that i think they're they they picked the right people though like i don't have an issue with anyone they picked you know it's the kind of thing where people are going to talk about what they don't like rather than what they do like in most cases but i'm here for it I probably won't see the movie unless it's like getting really good reviews because again I'm kind of just over the whole comic book thing. But I'll maybe see it for Pedro. Yeah, I do like Pedro a lot, and he's you know, he's also one of those guys. He's so good in interviews and like he's charming stuff where he's not. He's very charming and like he comes off a lot as first of all he has a very interesting backstory of like how he came up and where he came from. But nowadays he's kind of just like you can tell he's just kind of like I'm really happy to be here, man. And that's like what I care the most about. And I respect it. In a lot of ways, it's a breath of fresh air. So anyways, uh, July 25th, 2025 is when the Fantastic Four comes out. So we have a long way till we get even a trailer for this, most likely. They're going for it. They released this on Valentine's Day, the the casting. I don't know. That's kind of also a cutesy thing. The like promotional image that they posted is kind of funny. Moving right along, let's stick with superheroes. We'll get back to Pedro in a bit, although Pedro is really only tangentially involved in the Mandalorian topic. But I want to talk about X-Men 97 because uh, we got a trailer for this this past week. This is an upcoming animated television series coming to Disney+. Plus. It's coming out March 20th, so we have just over a month now until it comes out. Now, this trailer 
first of all, I liked the way this trailer was was framed and shot, and like it's like you're watching Saturday morning cartoons, and then suddenly the cartoon is back, and then you're like, it's kind of like happening to you. I liked that a lot. I don't. I didn't know Professor X died. Like this, this really dives you into like if you didn't watch this show, then screw you. Which like I kind of get that. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't but, call it a screw you. I think it's more of a hey, this is where we're establishing the story. And you can go like you don't need the backstory. You can kind of see where it is. the The team is looking for Scott Summers to kind of really truly step up and be into that leader and 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 hold the group together in the these trying times. We're we're seeing a lot of this anti mutant propaganda. We 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 know that there's the you know the giant mutant killing robots are just a staple in the X Men world, and we saw the the big arm, and so it it brings the people in as holy crap, the, the team needs to really come together to kind of make sure that the mutants stay, one, fighting strong and fighting for the side of good, and two, to shine a light on that perpetual division between mankind and, and mutant kind. And that's, that's guys, that's why we love, love the X-Men. And do you want to know what I want to say? Beyond the trailer, what this really is showing me is we might be returning back to that golden age of cartoons. Yeah. It, it's clearly what they're trying to evoke here, right? And, and what I appreciate about it, kind of in that same vein, is that this is not the sort of thing where, like, oh, whose voice is that? Ah, oh, geez, it's Idris Elba. Like, it's not like one of those things. It's like, if you look up the voice cast for this, it's like, these are working voice actors, which, like, yes. I really appreciate that. Like, I think that's I think that's a very important element of... I, I think you get you get taken out of it when you're watching a cartoon and it's like, Oh, well that's obviously, you know, like Brad Pitt or something like I want, it's, it's not authentic to the experience. So I appreciate that as a production move, whether or not it was intentionally. Do made. we know if they brought any of the voice actors from the OG show back? I know this is probably like an on the spot thing that not, none of us would know, but that would be really interesting yeah. if they had that sort of continuity. Wolverine definitely sounded different so I don't think that that's the same actor but uh you would be you would be wrong really I'm looking at it now that's awesome yeah so he's definitely Cyclops has let me tell you who's been replaced and who hasn't Cyclops has been replaced Wolverine Rogue and Beast have not been replaced Mr. Sinister that that may be his his voice was iconic Mr. Sinister has not been replaced Nightcrawler has not been replaced Good old Kurt looks the like, voice actor. It looks like pretty much everyone else has been replaced. But that's like a pretty decent track record considering how long ago this was made. This is it's been like twenty five years <laughs> since the last season of X Men the Animated Series. So like if they're getting people back, that's like that's pretty impressive. But yeah, I, I go back to like I said, the golden age of, of cartoons where I grew up with shows like Teen Titans and Ben Ten and the we've watched those specific shows their art style change for the worst and x-men was like the peak it's this is like this is like the art style that we reference back to and it's like rogues badonkadonk is in memes which by the way it looks like that was reduced um so r.i.p to rogues behind but like this is this is great and then on top of the art style we also saw really excellent action sequences gambit charged wolverine's skeleton like can we talk about the, can we appreciate how they're leveraging their mutant abilities to just give us a fantastic action sequence just chef's kiss just nothing but like excitement and love and joy for this coming out i 
question i agree with almost everything you said i question the medium like i appreciate what they're doing in terms of they're, they're clearly just trying to make what it was right my question is to what extent can that be removed from its setting of saturday morning television because i'm sorry saturday morning television disney plus streaming is not and like no i don't think that streaming it on a saturday morning is the same thing this isn't advertised to little kids on the saturday morning this is advertised to millennials baby yeah this is definitely just going after the adults who watch this as a kid i yeah sorry i I can't imagine i I didn't watch it as a kid tactic i kind of disagree i feel like you do need some background here like i don't think i would know as someone who didn't watch the original show like i couldn't jump into this i think i would be very lost and confused and a like this is a hot take i don't care about the x-men i don't care about the live action movies i don't care about the the live action movies were so great i just i like i i don't care about the x-men i don't know why I've tried. I just, I can't get over the hump with them. So. Wait, so like you don't get like goosebumps when you hear. No. Oh my God. Not at all. And I just don't think that kids would be able to watch the show from the 90s quite the same because I don't know if that would, like, I don't know if it aged well. I think you're not giving kids enough credit. You put a kid in front of a sweet of heroes with various powers they don't care their backstory they're just like this is really cool maybe again i don't really have a horse in this race i do really like the uh i do really like the um theme song though assuming that the the theme song is what we saw in the trailer it it slaps so hard i have a i I will say before we kind of close on this topic i have a major bone to pick with these trailer makers and all trailer makers can we stop with the whole like here's the entire trailer for a minute and a half now in the last 10 seconds here's what it's actually going to be about that bothers the crap out of me and if you watch trailers from the past like two years it's like every trailer is doing it they stay they save their big twisty moment for the end like is it not true that like honestly magneto, magneto getting the estate at the end was not the big like whoa for me that the big whoa was the was the was the charged claws fill those well, bad boys well, with some kinetic energy and let's go but Magneto inheriting Xavier's estate is going to be like a major plot driver and narrative element to this entire series, is it not? When you, when I think the plot is more akin to, I believe it was the live action X Men 2, where the mutants were working together to fight the humans who were anti mutant. I believe that is what the plot's going to be. So I don't think Magneto is intended to be the big bad. I think it's going to be more mutants. I'm not saying it's going to be the big bad. I'm saying that it's a big deal that that happened and they saved it until the last second of the trailer and that's just that steams my beans magneto's not i hate when people think that magneto is a villain as in in the traditional sense of he does evil for the sake of doing evil he's not a villain magneto is pro mutant kind and he's pro mutant kind at the cost of wiping out i have a really bad comparison to make that would make like 100 percent of people say he's a villain but i'm not gonna do that i know what you're thinking but like that's also not exactly the case but But also not that far off it's yeah it's but it's not from like a sense of superiority he's not saying that mutants are superior he's saying more that like i guess he is he's well then isn't magneto's bad guys isn't his whole thing that like mutants are being unfairly oppressed? Yes, it's 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 more him saying like 
he's fighting back for the mutants and saying that humans Again, be though, damned. That sounds very familiar from a historical context. It sounds well, okay. It sounds familiar, but like you're also, not wrong. Isn't you're not I, wrong. We're X2, saying a lot without saying anything. Aren't aren't they trying to like drug the mutants and like take away the mutants' powers in X two? Yes, they're trying to like sanitize them, quote unquote. Right. I don't know. I guess I'm not seeing the parallel. But that's why. That's why are. I'm saying like Magneto is not inherently evil. So him being like the leader in this case, if that is like where they're kind of building the story to be, it's fine. Asterisk. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like kinda... don't get me wrong. I, I, I still think Magneto is a villain. I think most people are supposed to think Magneto is a villain. But like, I do think, especially relative to like today's MCU villains, most of which are like drawn in crayon, especially with the performance by uh, Ian McKellen behind it, like he was super compelling in those first three movies and like his relationship with Xavier is like pretty right. important. They don't have and, a, like, like they have a relationship that that's like the whole thing. It's not they're just like good guy, bad guy. Yeah. They're like kind of pales in a way. And like they, they represent two sides of the same coin in a lot of ways. And like, I've always found that to be, I don't know, really well drawn out and like, I, I, yeah, I'm 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 glad to see him back in this. I just again wish that they would like not be like oh gasp at the end of it. Just I don't know. It's like it's it's a trend I've seen a lot of lately, and it really bothers me for whatever reason. It's like if why are you saving the juicy stuff for the last five seconds? At that point, people may have potentially stopped watching. Anyways, I would have really appreciated early two thousands trailer where it's like has that in a world where that kind of voiceover that would have been a nice another neat throwback. But I thought this was a good trailer. I thought the the tube TV was was good enough for me. I just kind of start the trailer and then you zoom into it. I thought it was decently well executed. This is coming out March twentieth, twenty twenty four. I already mentioned that. But if you're a Disney Plus subscriber and you're a millennial who was a big fan of the original animated series, this this may be the ticket for you. Do you guys remember there was a before we move on? I want to. I would be remiss if I didn't mention there was a an internet meme. It was like a meme before memes were memes, I feel like. Wasn't the animated series where uh, I'm the Juggernaut bitch started? Or was that before that? Do you guys know what I'm talking about, first of all? I think you might be correct, but there is a number of memes that came. This is this is where the sad Wolverine came from. Yes. This is where, yes. again, Thick Rogue came from. This is where the Juggernaut came from. There are so many memes that came from this show. Yeah, the, um, it's like a it's a whole video where they just dub over it. And all that Juggernaut ever says in the whole thing is, I'm the Juggernaut bitch. He just says it in different ways. That's right. It wasn't the show. It was a YouTube video. It was a YouTube just, dub. It was, yeah. it was a YouTube dub. Yeah. And man, to like 14-year-old illegal, it was the funniest thing in the world. And yeah, they actually... Re- I'm kind of Googling around now. In X3, the movie with like Hugh Jackman, like the actual movie, the Juggernaut says, I'm the Juggernaut bitch. And it's like... It was a big moment for people because it was like referencing the viral video meme thing. I just, I don't know. That's like one of my main touch points with this animated series that I've never watched. So again, March 20th, 2024, this is coming out. Be on the lookout for that. And let us know what you thought of the trailer. At OWLeo86, at OWTactic, at OWNerdBomber, and our main show account, at OnlineWarriors1. That's how you can reach us on this here interwebs. We'll take a short break now and come back to talk about The Mandalorian uh, just the Mandalorian. I don't want to say what it's about beyond that yet. Before we take our break, it's that time again in the episode. Stephen, our fantastic Patreon producer, Stephen Keller, he's coming on the show again soon. That's one of his rights as our main. Sorry, not our main. It's one of our. It's one of his rights as our Patreon producer, which is the highest of our three levels of Patreon support. 
he supports us at the night level. Uh, he gets this producer shout out every episode. He gets the occasional guest spot. He, of course, gets input into the weekly game segment, which I plan on winning this week. And he gets access to the monthly secret segment and vlog. There's a squire level of support, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog. And a page level, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment. For details on any and all of those levels of support, you can head over to patreon.com slash online mortgage podcast. Say hi to us. Say hi to Steven. Consider giving back to this show that you you deeply love and cherish. Thanks again to Steven. We'll be right back to talk about The Mandalorian. Late at night, on September 27th, 1977, three terrible things happened in the small town of Garrison. An infant was stolen from its crib, never to be seen again. A forest fire sparked just a mile down the road, and the first in a series of grisly murders rocked the town. All had one thing in common. They were perpetrated by what those in the town called the Shadow Man. I'm going to bring you along on my investigation into just who the Shadow Man is. Welcome to Strange Trails. I'm your host, Finn Mitchell. Alright, we're back to talk about The Mandalorian. First of all, this feels like Groundhog Day, because I know we both talked about this on the podcast before, and I think we literally saw some footage before, of a first-person Star Wars Mandalorian game. Actually, I think the the game we might have talked about was third-person before. Yeah, I think that was like a scrapped Mandalorian game. Right. So, you know, this is probably what you would generally expect it to be. Respawn Entertainment, who I believe was responsible for one of the Battlefronts, but I could be wrong about that, is developing uh, a first-person... They were person... responsible for Valorant and Titanfall. Okay, so not at all what I said. They're developing a first-person Star Wars Mandalorian game in early stages of development. The player will take control of Mandalorian Bounty Hunter, set during the time when the Galactic Empire is dominating across the galaxy. It's your job as a bounty hunter to capture bounties dead or alive for cash rewards. So, look, I know when we talked about this the last time, I said the same exact thing, but I have to say it again. This game has already been made, and it was amazing. And you should all go out and play it if you have the means. There's a game called Bounty Hunter. Specifically, probably called Star Wars Bounty Hunter. And it came out on the GameCube. And I believe you can get it... Might be able to play it on PS3. Or sorry, PS4. I can't remember. But it was like the greatest game ever. And it was third person, but it was everything you would want a Star Wars Bounty Hunter game to be. You were Jango Fett. You got to fly around in a jetpack. You got to capture bounties. You got to fight a Jedi. It was the greatest thing ever. So like, yes, I'm all on board with this. I don't know about I don't know about first person. I liked the third person idea a lot better. But yeah, I I I play the crap out of this. I really like this first person under respawn's development simply because having played Titanfall and I've dabbled in Valorant. I'm just not good enough these days to play online anymore. Um, but I dabbled. But I think one of the things that they're really good at is, you know, jetpack sort of deals. Like if you go into Titanfall, like being able to jump around and kind of fly jetpack wise in a massive robot. Like when you think of the Mandalorian, you think of his little jetpack thingamadoo. All of the various like very fast paced combat and running around and sliding and stuff. I feel like that could play well in a first person Mandalorian game. So I think the things that they're really good at in terms of like first person gunplay and game techniques will be showcased very well in a Mandalorian style. You can literally get Star Wars Bounty Hunter on PS4. I just was Googling that. Well, uh, it's $10. I just, and I've said this before, 
they need to do exactly what you're saying and have a standalone thing that is 0% tied to any Mandalorian, Baby Yoda, nonsense. Just bounty hunters. Just exactly what you're saying. You're absolutely right. I couldn't agree more with you, Illegal. And this is a rarity. Yeah, I am the, the, also excited. Like, they are saying that this is going to be a very linear style game, at least from what has been leaked. There's not going to be open world components. It's going to be linear missions. And I don't know. I really like that. Like, I know Jedi Fallen Order and that entire series isn't really, like, super considered to be open world. But I want something almost where I'm, like, playing on rails. Is that weird? Like, I don't want to be running around in a map. I just want to play on a rail. Sort of like Wolfenstein. And I know that's a completely different developer. But give me a game that's a little bit more on rails. Because I feel like there's not a lot of those these days. And they can be really fun. Yeah, like, I guess The Last of Us, I wouldn't consider to be on rails. But, like, they're guiding you pretty... Like, there's a sweet spot. And not to continue just waxing poetic about Bounty Hunter, but Bounty Hunter was amazing because it hit that sweet spot perfectly. It was a fully linear experience, but there were side bounties that you could get and you could get credits for it and you could use credits to buy stuff. It was just like, it was the most ideal system for it because I agree, like, this. the thing about Mandalorians is that now with like the show and with Boba Fett and Jango Fett and Grogu, like, there's very specific things that we expect the Mandalorian any Mandalorian as a character to be, right? But, like, I get that they have, like, this code of conduct and they can never remove their helmet and blah, 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 blah. But there's so much more room within Mandalorian lore to, like, have really interesting characters. Like, I would hate for this game to come out and be like, oh, it's about Din Djarin. Or even, like, I wouldn't, as much as I love Bounty Hunter, like, I don't want this next game to be about Jango Fett. I want this next game to be someone we have not met. And for the love of God, someone who does not meet and befriend a jedi he can kill a jedi i think that'd be cool i also really hope that they're super super in in tune with like the mandalorian i want to call it religion almost yeah that's what i mean and and we get a deep dive into that you know like let's like going back and smelting your armor and and the whole nine yeah and then custom armor custom armor guys the show has given us a lot to work with there and and like one of the better things about the show was like the character of the armorer and like learning a little bit about that religion slash way of life and like obviously in subsequent season i didn't finish watching the mandalorian but like din Djarin, in a lot of respects kind of foregoes that way of life but it would be interesting to see a character really fully adhere to it because even like jango fett's got his he's got his helmet off all the time like I, in fact i think the war with jango fett might be that he's not a mandalorian but like he he killed a mandalorian and took his armor or something like he might not even be a true Mandalorian. So yeah, there's just there's there's a lot of interesting stuff to be explored there. The show has started to do it. A game could do it in a really effective way. But I I don't know about first person. I I'm really inclined to say third person, but I'm sure either one could work. It's also like you said, Nerd Bomber. Like to put it on rails, I think is wise because otherwise you're going to get something that's going to sprawl too much. If you have the entire Star Wars universe available to you, I think that's a problem that Star Wars games have struggled with for a while. Like when they're when they're quote unquote open world, they're just too much world. You got to kind of read it in, in in some respect. So I think my ideal story for this game and my ideal setup is you are a Mandalorian bounty hunter who you crash your ship and respawn. Feel free to take this idea. You can give me a royalty, but you crash your ship and you just give need to make enough. All of <laughs> yeah. Give us a royalty. 
but you need, you know, just enough money to fix your ship and to continue doing your standard bounty hunting. And so the game is literally just you trying to make enough money to fix your ship. And it's just linear mission after linear mission, bounty hunting. That's it. So what Don't overcomplicate it, it. If you're stuck Any. on one planet, you got to pick one for the sake of the game and the, the uh, what we're doing right now. I don't know. What do you think would be more fun? Coruscant. A planet? Sure. Or even make up a completely new planet so there's zero tie to Jedi anything. Completely new planet. You know there's a bunch out there. It's a big universe, big galaxy, far, far away. Coruscant is a planet that has been grossly underutilized in the Star Wars universe. Like, in the prequels, it was a big deal, and it was a major setting for a lot of things that happened, and also it shows up in the game, The Bounty Hunter. But it, like, in the sequel trilogy, I expected it to show up, and it kind of just never did. Obviously, in the original trilogy, it wasn't really, uh, had it didn't have any presence, and, like, it presumably is still there, right? Like, it's, it's, a, it's a planet, and a lot of stuff's happening on it. It's ostensibly, like, the capital planet. And presumably there's like a really seedy underbelly to it. And there's just like so many cool things that could happen. I guess in uh, in Andor, Coruscant's featured to some extent. And like that show was amazing. So put it on Coruscant. Otherwise, I totally sign off on your idea. Put it on like, one planet. Simple, fun. Like I just want to have an experience of being a Mandalorian. Like I don't need to tie into the overarching Star Wars story. I don't want that. I just want to be like kind of like Mandalorian Bounty Hunter Simulator. I would also say a critical element to this game is like there was something so cool about Django Fett's double pistols. And he like he had like a and again, I, I recently watched Attack of the Clones, which I'm going to talk about actually. My, what are you up to a little bit? He had like a cowboy thing going on where like he would shoot a guy and like twirl his gun like a cowboy before putting it back into his holster. And it was the coolest freaking thing ever. I want gunslinging. You know, like, I don't want just him having a blaster pistol or a blaster rifle. I want double pew-pews, and I want him pew-pewing a lot. You want finesse is what you want. Yes, that's a really you good You want way just to that, the different, the, you want beyond just a, a shooter, you want these little extra quips of animation added to the game to really make you feel like this is not only an, like an assassin, this is like, this is an art form. Here's another thing I, I, I want, and you, you, you've brought me to mind of this. I want stealth elements. Remember, in Attack of the Clones, he's using, like, Camino darts and shooting Zamboazel from, like, 50 feet. No one even knows who he is for, like, half of that movie. Because he's moving in the shadows. He's getting things done. I want that as well. Boba Fett operating in much the same way in, in all of his stuff that he does in the movies. So just more of that. Like, I, I think that Din Djarin and, like, I think a lot of Mandalorians from what we saw in the show The Mandalorian are... Um, much more blunt instruments and like brute forcing stuff and i do, you're right i do want finesse from this for sure so yeah we don't know much about when this is happening we pretty much just know that it is happening and yeah let us know on on twitter what you want this game to be and what you want from it and also guys have to say one more time you should really go it's it's ten dollars it's also free if you have playstation plus premium and of course it's you know it's a gamecube port so like it's not going to be the most graphically amazing thing you ever played but it is so much fun to the point that like i might do it i might go put it on my ps5 and just like have a have a, have a have a good time so yeah mandalorian game title tbd respawn entertainment that's uh that's happening it's time for what are you up to wednesday this is the part of the show where we talk about what we've been up to every week before we hop on our live segment tactic struggles to determine what he's going to talk about is what are you up to wednesday so i'm going to let him go first this week isn't that nice of me Guys, Love is Blind is back. 
is online. And it's better than ever. Is it? Is it though? No, but the Hestruck's here. No, it's 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 pretty good. There's there's not a lot out. It's not like the full season, but it's enough to get your your whistle wet and to get you into it. It's the standard group of of like not ugly people, but like they're hot not people. not come not on, like I, I wouldn't say that. I think they're like I think they're extraordinarily average. Like they're on the upper end of average. As the show should be. Which is which is good. Which is good. And and it brings forth and what I'm enjoying about it is it brings forth it even though it is quote blind, you're still getting that superficial nonsense that people should not have and stop being shallow assholes. That's why you're on the show. And I'm here for it. I'm here for the drama. I'm here for the shenanigans. That said, there is a lot of like so once like people get out of the pause the first week, there's there always seems to be like this unnecessary level of drama and like after the fact we always yep. found, find out from like the cast and crew, the shena- the Netflix shenanigans. So I'm very much looking forward to that as well. But like yeah. this season is is like tried and true to like the standard love spine shenanigans. And I just I love me some good old dumb TV. I would say that this season so far is even better though than the last couple. Because the last couple felt like you had a lot of people who were specifically only there to become social media influencers. And I can't really put my finger exactly on what it is about this season but it feels like people are not here to get popular they're here because they legitimately think they're going to find a match yeah yeah i i i've i've like i've only i've watched an episode and a half my mom my wife watched the whole five episodes or whatever it is i watched the last episode and a half and i look i was all aboard the love is blind train i know i talked about it on the show about how great it was i'm it's it's the same thing over and over again i'm not interested anymore it's kind of what my takeaway was watching an episode and a half. It's I watched. Did the you honey- ever think it was going to be different? Well, no. But I, I, I mean, I shouldn't have. But like, it's this, and that's why I didn't sign up to watch it. I watched it because my wife was watching, and I was in the room. That was why I watched the episode and a half that I watched. And like the, I watched during the honeymoon part. And like, this isn't spoiling anything. I don't know anyone's names, but like, there was a couple that was having the dumbest fight in like their hotel room at the honeymoon thing, and. It lasted for like 15 minutes and but you did could you tell. Not, did you see there any of their history from the pods at that point? Because there's a lot that informs why that argument happened, which is very interesting. Yeah, Absolutely you not. Yourself. You know what informed that argument happening is, I'm sorry, this is going to be cynical, but like some Netflix producer told them to have a fight and they had a fight. Like it was like, I felt like it was badly scripted. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to tell people who haven't watched the seasons yet to put your little blinders on or i guess your little earbuds put it on mute for like five seconds so i'll give you a little lowdown here so they were kind of in a love triangle and the girl made a very obvious play to try to get a leg up in that love triangle by casually saying oh has anyone told you you look like a celebrity and he was like no not not really how about you and she was like oh i am um, this is absolutely not oh, the fight I was, this I've is not the fight Megan i was fox no 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 but the fight i was referring to this informs why that fight happened. Uh, I think it was a different couple, maybe, that I'm thinking of. I think of... It was about the bean dip. Was it a bean dip fight? No. It was about... It was the dumbest fight. I can't even remember what it was about. It was like, he was talking up... He was talking up his fiance to, like, all the dudes. And then at one point, he said that a girl was looking good. Okay, yeah, so this, this, is, does, the same this is the same couple. So let me finish my story here. So she basically implied and told him that she looked like Megan Fox. So now 
she clearly does not look like Megan Fox, like maybe at an angle, but does not. So she's extremely insecure because when they met, he was like, oh, not in like these many words, but it was kind of like, oh, I, I thought I was expecting something different. So now she's super hyper insecure. So anytime he even looks at another girl, she's flipping out because clearly she's not Megan Fox. Well, that's 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 fine. It was it was unbearable to watch. I do not plan on watching more, I guess, like not to burst anyone's bubble. Like it's if you like it, you're going to like it. If you stop liking it because it's the same thing over and over again, you're not going to like it because it's the same thing over and over again. It's I I liked the one guy. I don't a guy I don't I don't know his name. Not that couple. That couple's boring and hard to watch. There's a fun couple. Like I don't know either of their names. There's always one the fun ginger? couple. I I wish I remembered. I really I don't remember. Again, I watched an episode and a half and I was barely paying attention. But there was one couple that like they were like there was one guy who was terrible, who was like and again, this is a classic what was blind thing. He was like he said something horrible to the extent of like when you get pregnant and you have the baby, you better lose that weight quick. Literally, oh, like, yeah, I'm, not even, I'm not even. I'm not even paraphrasing. That was a thing that a person said on television. She, and I was like, this girl, oh my God. this girl opened with, "I don't want like project guys," and then she goes for the project guy. He sucks. Well, but, yeah, like, she, she also was, like, didn't have her. Her two interests both were terrible. Like her, like you should really watch the show. She was like in the middle of some diatribe about like how she's like in therapy or like was considering therapy and like having a deep emotional introspective conversation with him, and he was like don't get fat it was it was like the most and again it's like this is it some of these people i feel like they're just caricatures like i'm like you cannot there's no way you're a real person saying this stuff and like for the first three seasons that i watched it it remained entertaining and now it's like all right this is just what this show is it's just like they're i don't know where they're finding these people but some of these people are truly outrageous see i feel like to me i still find it really entertaining because i watch it once a year and this is probably the only reality show that I watch. Like, I don't really watch reality TV outside of this one show. So this is like my plunge into guilty reality TV show pleasure. Everything else is yeah. like scripted shows. There's something to be said about that for sure. Because there's like a fairly constant stream of reality television happening at our house. So that's probably part of what soured me to this. And also it's like soured me to a lot of reality shows, not for nothing. We're also not to hijack your update tactic but we're watching a show called the traders which is like the most garbage of garbage reality tv shows it's literally like a frankenstein of five other reality tv shows so i'm kind of just oversaturated right now anyways back to your update tactic sorry i didn't mean to pile on here so yeah we're watching love is blind that's it (laughs) oh word i'll go next i in the between last week's recording and this week's recording i played and completed a, a video game which is I feel like a rarity. It was a short game, but still, I, I feel like it was an accomplishment. I played a game that I've been meaning to buy for a while. It went on sale, and I took the opportunity, which I often don't do that either, but I, I did this time. It's a game called The Case of the Golden Idol. Uh, this is a game on the Nintendo Switch. It was originally released on PC. It is a detective game. I bought it for $11.69, and it was probably a few hours worth of play, and it was worth every penny. Let me start by saying that. It was, it was wonderful. I had heard a lot of good things about it. I had never really played any detective genre games, but it has a low barrier to entry. It accomplishes exactly what you want it to in terms of being a detective story where you can solve mysteries. It's very, very zen. One thing I will say about it as a black mark on its record, and if you Google, I'll be borne out on this because it happened to me. Uh, it has a pretty critical bug, the Switch version does, in its saving feature. So... I was in the middle of playing it 
and I turned my switch off and then I turned it back on the next day to play and I had lost all of my progress. And if you Google it, it's like, it just like is a thing and they refuse to fix it. And it has been that way for like nine months. So uh, I think it only happens if you switch software on the switch. So if you play it, I recommend just like putting it in sleep mode and then just playing it until you beat it. And it's like a maybe three or four hour game. So that's not that big of a deal. Otherwise, no notes. It was fantastic. I recommend it for anyone who's interested in getting into that kind of a game. So that was one thing. Other thing I wanted to mention. Oh, gosh, what was it? Uh, I did watch Attack of the Clones. And I mostly just wanted to mention that because they don't make them like that anymore. It's so cheesy, but it holds up. They're a mini piece of news. They're re-releasing Phantom Menace in theaters in May. And you better believe I'm going to... I'm sitting in the theater for that. Because the prequel trilogy, they just... Man... In a lot of ways, it was lightning in a lightning in a bottle, like, and it's like so campy that it's when you watch it now you cringe a little bit, but like in a good way, if that makes sense. Like it's 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 probably nostalgia, but there's there's more to it than that. So I wanted to shout out that I watched that. There was one more thing. I don't know if you guys have done this actually. I think you guys should if you haven't. I did for the first time this past weekend. I did a. I think they're often called paint and sips, but I actually don't know what they're typically called. Basically, you oh, go somewhere. Yeah, like you go somewhere, you go to an establishment, like this is a business that we went to. You pay them a certain amount of money. You bring in your own alcohol or whatever you want to drink. You can even bring like charcuterie if you want. And an art instructor kind of like guides you through, there's like a class of people and you all paint the same thing. And um, I was very, I want to mention it because like I was very reticent going in. I tend to be very hard on myself when it comes to art and in particular, like things like painting and drawing I suck at. And I get very frustrated very easily because I have a vision in my mind of what it should be and I, I never execute. And A, I'm very proud of what I did because the instruction was very good. But B, it just, I, the experience, in particular the experience that I had, and I'm sure they're all different, but like it's very gentle on you. And it, it I feel like it implicitly lowered my expectations for myself when it comes to, when it came to making the art that was demanded of me. And it was a generally positive experience. If you haven't done it, if you're thinking about doing it, if you're listening out there and you're thinking about doing it, I'd recommend you find a, a special someone or even just, you know, take yourself on a date and go do it because it, it was it was enjoyable. So, uh, yeah, that's it for me. And I'll swing it over to Nerd Bomber to finish this out. All right. So we watched in its entirety Pokemon Concierge on Netflix. And this is a very short series, four episodes. They're about like 16 to 20 minutes each, not even, I don't think. And it's all just like a stop motion kind of claymation animated series about somebody who goes to work as a concierge at a Pokemon resort. And I don't usually watch this sort of stuff. It was very low stakes. Each episode was a self-contained storyline. And it was just a very calm and relaxing show. There really wasn't a huge point to it besides like the underlying theme of, hey, have fun in life. Nothing's that serious. Have fun. And it was extremely relaxing. So this was pretty great. The art style was fantastic. I really liked the attention to detail. I mean, obviously, it's claymation, stop motion stuff. So you kind of expect that. But I thought the attention to detail was really excellent. And it was just a very relaxing, calming show. I also watched a Netflix documentary, Inside the Mind of Cats. And it was very interesting. Honestly, I feel like I didn't learn a lot that I didn't already know, but it was just very interesting to kind of have everything presented to me in like... Is that because you're already in their mind? Yes, I'm basically a cat. No, it was just stuff that like, if you've ever owned a cat, you kind of have an idea that like, yes, cats do know their own name. Oh, yes, cats do gravitate toward a specific favorite person. But 
having it presented to you scientifically and watching them do science experiments was weirdly just interesting to watch, even though you kind of knew the end result of everything anyway. There were a few things that I did learn, like how when cats jump, they use every muscle in their body. And that's something that very few mammals can actually do. Like most mammals don't employ 100% of their muscles in any action. I also learned they have a spongier spine, which is why cheetahs can run so fast because the way that their spine basically bunches up and then releases as they're running, you know, deploys and stores potential energy, which most animals don't have. So I thought it was just, you know, interesting to have the information presented to me in a scientifically like sound way. And it was something I also turned on when it was like super late at night and I was going to bed and I was like, I need something very chill that if I fall asleep, I'm not losing anything in. And it was, I don't know. It was fun to watch. If you like cats, go for it. I like cats. I don't like them as much as dogs, but I did know about the spine thing, but I don't think I knew anything else. Well, I also learned, so apparently we've done approximately like 15 years more studies on dogs than we have cats. And the difference between cats and dogs is not that different in terms of their capabilities. And I also learned that while dogs have evolved to become more of a companion pet cats really have not changed that much evolutionarily wise is that a word it's close enough i know you mean yes and that essentially we are living with little feral animals if you own a cat like they are just as wild as they were when they evolved into like small kitties and the reason why they have social tendencies is just because in the wild they live in like a pack like lions and it has nothing to do with us like domesticating them because they're not really yeah cats will like because don't they always say like if you die and you're like in your house with your cat your cat will like eat your face like they don't give a crap about you they're like no they did prove that like they do form bonds with their owners so just like they wouldn't eat somebody in their pack if their pack died they essentially just see you as like a stupid cat i'm kind of a stupid cat i'm also a cool cat or so i like to tell myself well like they just don't understand why you're not doing cat activities so they just think you're dumb yeah i have a cat i'm sure he's thinking that about me all the time well very cool if there's something else i will turn it over to you for quiz nation okay so this quiz topic is looney tunes we're all tied up so it's really whoever wants to go first because we have learned nothing and progressed nowhere this far in the season i'll go but first it is Lo- looney tunes and Illegal is volunteering as tribute. And so yes. the first question is, when did the Looney Tunes first drop? Nine? No. Uh, hold on. Nine? It's early. It's early. We're like in... This is interesting. 1947? 1947. I don't know why, but I feel in my gut that this is around during like the World Wars. Yeah, which doesn't I, make sense at all. So uh, yeah. I'm going to say 1900 just to give myself some buffer. I was thinking 30s initially, but I, I cranked it up a little bit. So we'll see if I was in the right. All right. So Nerd Bomber gets this one on April 17th, 1930. Damn the it. very first Looney Tunes cartoon, Sinking in the Bathtub, was released featuring the main character, Bosco or Bosco? Yeah, it's Bosco. My my initial thought was 1932, so I would have been wrong either way. I thought it was like Depression era, but I decided to go forward for whatever reason. Guys, not to interject, but speaking of Bosco, do you guys remember there was a snack? Bosco sticks. Bosco sticks. Bosco sticks. I think they're still yeah. going on, but are it's, possible they? it's possible that they're not. I'll Google that while, while you're ask, asking the next question. 
All right. So Porky Pig eventually surpassed Bosco in per- popularity. When did he debut? You can buy Bosco sticks at Walmart, like right now. Interesting. Yeah. Just well, to, I haven't had a Bosco up. stick in like ten years, but maybe maybe it's time. I'm gonna say Porky Pig though came out in 1955. Can you repeat the question, Technic? Was it just when did Porky Pig come out? When? Yeah. You said when do you say in her bar? 55? 50, 50? Yep. 55. I'm yeah. I man. I'm going to say 45, because I think it was earlier than that. I think it was post-World War. All right, so you both busted. It was 1935. A... It only took four, five years before the initial creation of the Looney Tunes. That's all, folks. I hate that for me. I'm, I'm behind the eight ball here. From its inception to present day, specifically, how many Looney Tunes shorts are there? Oh, Keep in mind, man. I'm not saying shows. I'm saying shorts. They're different. Yeah, it's a lot. I guess, yeah, shorts... 137. 137. I'm going to say 250. Yeah, this is from when it came out to now. These Looney yeah, Tunes shorts. Yeah, but, but, but I, I would like think they would have like stopped making them at some point. But yeah, I, they, they sc- did start to throttle back on the shorts from like the 70s on. But that's still 30 years of like heavy content. And there was a total of 1,041 shorts. So that was a little bit off, is what you're saying. You need to get the next two right just to tie it up. The right. sun is setting. Easy. How many unique shows were spun off the characters shown in the Looney Tunes? Oof. And just for reference of what I mean by unique shows, a good example I like to reference is Lunatics Unleashed. You remember that I've show on Saturday morning cartoons? I do remember Baby Looney Tunes. That was That is another show. Yeah. Um I'm gonna say probably over the years there's been fifteen shows. 16. All right. So you both busted. Not as much as you think. 13. But you guys were close. We were really close, though. Dang it. All right. Just uh, for credibility, I guess. Victory lap. The tunes were featured in the smash hit. You might have heard of it. Space Jam. Welcome to the Space Jam. How much did it gross worldwide? $472 million. Doll hairs. $600 million. So you both busted on this one as well. Wow. Okay. Two hundred and fifty million dollars worldwide. We're really overestimating the Looney Tunes. It was back in the day. They money was didn't really count back then. Uh, okay, so I I just blanked on that. That was that was a bit of a rough one for your boy. Nerd Bomber moves to four and two. I moved to three and three. Tactic remains at three and two. So just like that, I'm on the outside looking in. It's a uh, familiar territory. Also, Stevens one and zero. I should I shouldn't gloss over that. And he'll get a chance to defend his title soon. We thank you all for joining us here on the Online Warriors podcast. Head over to Twitter. Hit us up at the handles mentioned previously in the episode. And head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. What you think of me. What you think of Tactic. What you think of Nerd Bomber. And what you think of the name Online Warriors. You think it's any good? Do you think we should change it? I mean, we're not like we're like thinking about doing that. I'm just I'm kind of curious. So have a great week. Stay safe. And keep on podcasting.